that said, I can be reached um, at um, through my website, uh, nelsonfororegon.com, or you can just uh, Google Representative Travis Nelson and email my uh, legislative email. But I'm also on Twitter. I'm pretty active there, and I'm also on Facebook. So uh, hit me up at either one of those places. Uh, I'd love to touch base with you. All right, thank you. So, you know, I'm just going to throw a little joke in. So judging by how things are done federally, so since you're in to finish um, um, spe uh, Speaker Kotek's term, wouldn't you be the speaker as well? Ah, sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> right? I mean, right? No. Right, wait, huh? That's not uh, exactly how it works. And with well, but, but can we say that that's how it works? <laughs> yeah, it works. I'm definitely not going to be speaker, being a, being a freshman legislator. The speaker now is actually Dan Rayfield, and I believe there will be another, an, in all likelihood, he will be this the speaker for as long as he wants to be, but I do believe there will be another vote in 2023 on on Speaker of the House for the for that biennium. Um, and the way that that works is it's really a majority vote in the House of Representatives. Whoever gets the most votes becomes the Speaker of the House, and those votes are typically somewhat along party lines. So if the majority are Democrats in the House, then the Speaker is going to be a Democrat, and, and when the majority are Republicans and which has been a while, uh, the speaker will generally be a Republican. I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm gonna do the legwork to ensure that that Democrats, pro-union pro Democrats, pro-labor Democrats, pro-racial and health, health equity Democrats yes. win in November uh, because we cannot afford to let these Trump Republicans take our legislature, people who want to ban CRT, which we know is nothing but code for teaching about the history of this country and the contributions of, of black and brown people to the uh, United What's States. What's up, everybody? Where, this is uh, Goddess and uh, Goddess and She, and you're tuning in to KBOO Portland. Holla at your girl. Baby, you understand me now. Welcome to Prison Pipeline, airing from the studios of KBOO Portland. I'm your host, Adam Carpinelli. Prison Pipeline presents a unique perspective of the criminal justice system addressing the root causes of crime and broadening understanding of the institution of incarceration. And today we're here with Bob Letter, uh, anti-imperialist activist, and with a few different uh, great projects. How are you doing? 
Good evening, Adam. Thank you for having me. And um, hello to all the KBU listeners and listeners around the country. Tonight, we're going to talk about a particular case of another long-held U.S. political prisoner by the name of Mutulu Shakur. And um, before we kind of get into talk, talking about recent events around him, um, Bob, if you just want to give a brief you know, background on uh, how you got involved and, and any other thing you want to share about just you know the importance of the, of the work that you do. Sure, thanks. Uh, I've been involved in um, anti-imperialist work and work in support of U.S. political prisoners for more than 40 years. And uh, I got involved by meeting some radicals in the 70s who were very determined to build a solidarity movement among white people that would work to build support for the liberation movements of black people and Puerto Ricans and Chicano, Mexicano people in the Southwest and um, indigenous peoples as kind of the linchpin of the whole system of white settler colonialism in this country. And so I've done many kinds of support work over that period for the different political prisoners of which Dr. Matulu Shakur is one of the most prominent. Uh, at the same time, I've also worked very often in the queer movement around issues of LGBTQ rights and uh, against the AIDS pandemic and the government's genocidal response to that pandemic. What was your your first uh, earliest uh, familiarity with, with Mutulu and um, his activism and his work? Well, when I got active in the New York anti-imperialist movement in the 70s, um, the project that Dr. Shakur had been so instrumental to, which was called Lincoln Detox, Lincoln being the name of a hospital in the South Bronx serving mainly low-income uh, Black and Latino people, Latinx people who lived there. And so I was quickly told about the cutting-edge nature of that institution um, that had come out of the radical groups of the 60s, the, the Young Lords, which is a Puerto Rican independence organization, the Black Panthers, white radical doctors and, and med students, and others. And what Dr. Shakur had brought to that was acupuncture. And so as I had already on my own come to discover the power of acupuncture, I um, actually did take a trip up to Lincoln Detox and met Dr. Shakur before it was brutally shut down by the then mayor of the city in 1978. And then because he traveled in the same political circles that I did through his work with the National Black Human Rights Coalition and the National Task Force on COINTELPRO litigation and research, and COINTELPRO was the FBI's uh, decades-long program to attack and, and dismantle the radical left, particularly the Black Liberation Movement. So our paths kept crossing on several occasions. And of course, then he found himself uh, in federal prison after years of being targeted by COINTELPRO itself. Then he was in prison for a, a 60 year sentence for conspiracy and bank robbery uh, and related charges. Um, and so I've tried to do what I can to support the many, many efforts to, to bring him to freedom. First, uh, on parole, uh, he was denied nine times by the Federal Parole Commission. 
until finally, finally on the brink of death, which he is now, sadly, he was finally granted parole um, about two weeks ago and should be coming out in the next few weeks. Great. And we do want to make sure that we we share uh, and talk about how all those endeavors can be supported as he transitions back to the community. And um, also to give a little bit more context and background there, if, if you're willing to, and kind of help to also explain how the the Shakur, you know, name there um, and, and the relationship there between uh, several, several different people, very radical people and also people that are uh, you know, fa- famous as well for for other things like music, and and how that kind of fits in too. There, there's an inter- interesting history uh, with 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 him and 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 also his family, right? Yes, there is. Um, well, um, I, I think the most well known name to your listeners may be that of Tupac Shakur, and actually, uh, Matulu Shakur is Tupac's stepfather, but uh, this also connects to his. Uh, former wife, who was a Fanny Shakur, who was um, a member of the Black Panther Party, who was uh, framed along with 20 other people in 1969 for conspiracy charges that proved to be so bogus that even the majority white jury acquitted her and her other uh, co-defendants. So he had the partnership with her, and he, you know, was in in political alliance with uh, Asada Shakur, which perhaps some of your listeners may know, who was uh, a a colleague in the Black Liberation Movement who was framed on bogus charges of shooting a police officer in New Jersey and ultimately escaped with the help of the Black Liberation Army, which she had been part of uh, in 1979 and was uh, uh, granted political asylum in Cuba, where she lives to this day. So um, a lot of interesting family and political connections to Dr. Shakur. And let me mention that in those years uh, when he was uh, first becoming active in the Black Liberation Movement, one of the organizations he was very devoted to was something called the Provisional Government of the Republic of New Africa, which was a group um, based in the U.S. South that worked toward sovereignty for a Black Republic in the Southern US based on the traditional lands that black people had worked and, and died on uh, in slavery and after slavery. Yeah, in that context of how much history is there, then um, can we talk a little bit more about kind of what what's kind of transpired, you know, as far as his his case and how long he, he's uh, been in and, and all those trials and tribulations. Uh, you mentioned a few things already, but maybe talk a little bit more about um, so many, you know, uh, documents and parole things and so much rigorous work behind this that, that of course, you've also been involved in. And I'm sure all all of the different attorneys and support networks that have come through um, to pull in the reins and try to um, help him uh, gain his freedom. Sure. Um, so when Dr. Matulu Shakur, and by the way, he's a doctor of acupuncture, which he helped to obtain that doctorate uh, and and that of his colleagues in Lincoln Detox in the 70s by training in Quebec, which was at that time the foremost center for acupuncture training in North America. But in any case, when he was arrested in 1986, and as I said, charged and convicted of various political conspiracy charges, uh, he received a 60-year sentence, which means that at this point he's been in for 36 years 
there are certain federal guidelines and laws and guidelines about how people are dealt with after their sentence. And traditionally, most prisoners, have, people in prison have not served out their entire sentence. They are given parole after a certain period of what's considered to be quote unquote good behavior and with other conditions. So in his case, he was legally eligible to be released six years ago in 2016. And the prison authorities who are, are notorious for political prisoners, people that they consider dangerous radicals, even if they're not dangerous in any normal sense that we would consider that word, um, that, that they throw a million obstacles in their path. So in his case, because allegedly he had a quote unquote dirty drug test, which was completely false. It wasn't a dirty drug test. It was a, a lab error that had happened 15 years earlier in 2016, he was denied parole, um, that, or was denied release, rather. Meanwhile, he had been, and up till uh, what happened two weeks ago, he had been denied parole nine times. Um, and this is despite meeting every criterion that the Parole Commission sets for being granted parole, which is that uh, you have not committed infractions since your time in prison, that you have done positive works to help the other incarcerated men, and he indeed was beloved wherever in all the prisons that he was transferred to, as the feds are wont to do, um, he always developed a following of particularly younger men who looked up to him as a role model and as somebody who really spent time trying to mentor them. Um, so he met every criteria. He had a job waiting for him on the outside. And yet they just consistently denied parole simply out of vindictiveness because he was political enemy number one and could not be allowed to see the light of day. And so finally, as he got one life-threatening illness after another, um, including COVID um, and including diabetes, hypertension, glaucoma, ultimately he got diagnosed uh, about three years ago with uh, stage four bone marrow cancer. And um, at this point, the Bureau of Prisons doctor uh, has, uh, in May of this year, diagnosed his estimated prognosis. In other words, the time he probably could survive was six more months. Well, that's now. Six months are now. And only now, on the eve of this predicted date of his demise, after the judge who sentenced him, who's now over 90 years old and is retired, and that's the person you're supposed to go back to when you're seeking release from prison because parole has been denied, he said, no, you're not sick enough uh, about a year ago. And, um, and even again, another two months ago. And so finally, when he went back to the parole commission, they acted like human beings and said, okay, um, you don't seem like you're well enough to commit any more crimes. So we'll, we'll uh, release you on parole. And let, as I said earlier, that should happen in a, in a few weeks. And um, so he's been through the mill in, in federal prisons and you know his health condition undoubtedly was severely worsened by all the stress of prison life and, all, and the terrible food and all the things that we know about living in prisons in this country he's been through and it's it's a miracle that he's survived through all that uh, with this advanced bone marrow cancer
And since he's he's been in, you know, there there's so many people who have rallied around in support. So, um, can you talk kind of about how how all that has come together and and um, what that means for now too? Because obviously, you know, it's now it's a matter of you know, um, you know, is what's the release date and you know what's what's the path going to look like for him to have a successful uh, transition and what kind of help is needed there. Sure. So. Um... Dr. Shakur's support has been growing by, uh, you know, by large amounts over the past 10 to 20 years. First of all, of course, there were thousands of people were healed with acupuncture at Lincoln Detox. And then after the city uh, expelled Lincoln Detox from the city, it was a city-run hospital in 1978, then he set up his own community acupuncture system or uh, clinic rather. And so through all of those clients that have been benefited, and then through all the political activists who he's worked with and mentored, there's a huge base of support that has rallied behind him as written, you know, emailed consistently to the parole commission and showed support in many ways and helped raise funds for his attorneys and his, his expenses. And um, so he has a, you know, a support network ready and waiting for him in Southern California the moment he gets out. The date is not exactly set yet. That's still being worked out, but it will be in the next few weeks. And he has a place to live. He has family support. He has friends. And most importantly, uh, a medical team is uh, prepared to jump into action to give him, you know, the best possible integrated approach. And by integrated, I mean conventional and so-called alternative complementary medicine. So that's all there, but what they do need right now more than anything is some financial support because as you can imagine, even for conventional medicine, Medicare is inadequate. There are many holes in what Medicare covers, but especially for someone practicing integrative medicine or engaging in for themselves, that's not gonna get covered by Medicare. Medicare refuses incidentally to reimburse acupuncture. So plus he has to pay, it, talk about inhuman. He has to pay his transport costs from his federal medical facility in Kentucky all the way back to California. So there's a huge need for funds. So I would encourage people to go to the website mutuluShakur.com and I'll spell that M-U-T-U-L-U and then Shakur S-H-A kur.com matuluchakur.com and um, there's a button on the right for donating to his medical and other support needs and it would be just so appreciative people can be generous because after all he's given to so many movements for so many decades we really should give back to him so that he can live the longest possible time that he can um, and continue to give his gifts to the community for folks just tuning in, this is Prison Pipeline, airing from the studios of KBO Portland. And we're here with Bob Letterer from uh, Resistance in, in Brooklyn and also in tandem with, um, well, talking about uh, political prisoner, Matula Shakur. And uh, we'll, we'll repeat that link again to how we can uh, continue to support him and um, all, all these great organizations that are doing all this work. And so um, that was that was another thing was, you know, what that work has really entailed, because there's also these larger projects, for example, that Mutulu's actually had a lot of 
feedback on and um and maybe even help to just even um, put together these projects around kind of human rights and talking about political prisoners with um you know like how this the spirit of mandela coalition came together and, and things like that so um can you re relate some of those things too because they're really important threads of kind of all the work that he's been doing as well as all the people supporting him and all, all the other political prisoners and, and uh, movements involved. Dr. Shakur has been one of the many voices, not only asking people to work to free him from his unjust incarceration, but also um, what at times had been up to a hundred other activists from the Black Liberation Movement, the Puerto Rican Independence Movement, the Chicano, uh, freedom movement, the Native American and indigenous movements, and uh, white people in solidarity with people of color and uh, with international freedom movements. Um, and so out of that movement has come what uh, Adam just mentioned, which is the Spirit of Mandela Coalition, which organized about three years ago and held a, a tribunal last year, an international tribunal with human rights experts from around the world to look at definitely the issue of U.S. political prisoners, but also the related struggles that um, Black, Indigenous, and other people of color have had to face in this country, specifically police violence, um, mass incarceration, environmental racism, and health racism. And they came out with a verdict of uh, uh, finding the U.S. government guilty of genocide. So Dr. Shakur's case was talked about in that proceeding among many. And he's he's been one of the people really pointing the way for more than 40 years to the need to look at U.S. policy in a human rights framework. And um, one of the proposals that he's made, I think it was about 25 years ago, and it's actually been picked up by some mainstream groups like the NAACP, at least uh, in the past, is for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And this would be a body of legislative and uh, clergy and um, civic leaders, as well as activists that would look at the violations of human rights committed by the US government, particularly in the late 60s and early 70s, including, as I mentioned before, this COINTELPRO, the counterintelligence program of the FBI, and would figure out, well, first of all, would expose the full depth of the outrageous activities of the U.S. government, but also figure out remedies and um, ways to bring uh, healing and, and repair to those who've been victimized by those policies. So Dr. Shakur, besides being a very dedicated activist, has also been a very innovative thinker. And um, his thinking has helped guide a lot of other activists in coming up with new strategies to break through some of the problems that we all are struggling against. Where is that project now? Because there was also the, you know, the, the verdicts that came out of it and kind of where that might be moving forward as well as uh, other other notable prisoners as well who were who were still in and are, again you know very very long-term uh, cases I would encourage folks to check out the website spiritofmandela.org and you'll see uh, links to the verdict uh, that the that the jurist reached and um, a lot of other information. They do ongoing educational webinars 
and there's a lot of uh, details and background and history on their website because this is certainly not the first tribunal on the human rights violations uh, against people of color in this country and they detail some of that history on their website and so now they're moving uh, well on two fronts one is to more widely disseminate the verdict and in fact I'm actually helping work on a national radio program that should air within the next month um, with some of the actual jurists from who are primarily from the global south um, who came up with that verdict a, a year ago um, but on another front, they've launched an, a new structure, which is very exciting, called the People's Senate. And that's designed to link up a lot of progressive groups, pr predominantly but not exclusively in communities of color in the U.S., to try to mesh their agendas and share information and become a stronger force for progressive and radical change in this country. So they're they're quite active and um, and I should add that it's a very exciting intergenerational initiative that has people of all ages and all backgrounds and um, I think it's it's an organization people may want to stay in touch with and get on their e-list. E Again that's, that's spiritofmandela.org. Yeah that's great and you know and take taking it back to Matulu again there's this whole legacy there and and that really shows as you've explained all these different things and where that's where that's taken us um into uh into the future really like you said it's kind of visionary idea around these things and there's still a lot of work to do around um any of the other prisoners and if you want to just talk about kind of any of that kind of ongoing work too and and you know people are still getting locked up all the time for political work uh, as well these days nothing new absolutely right right the most recent of course is in the black lives matter movement and also in the water protectors who are working to stop these destructive pipelines on indigenous sovereign land yet who have still face prison sentences and a whole group of them in minnesota incidentally the line three resistors just got acquitted which was a great victory but that's unfortunately a rare victory but in any case um there are several organizations working on um, these cases of political prisoners. The one that you're involved in, Adam, of course, is the Jericho Movement, a very important national organization working for amnesty and freedom of U.S. political prisoners. And you can give out the information about that. And as I said, the uh, spiritofmandela.com, that coalition is continuing this work. And then also, before we close, I just want to give people a source of more about Dr. Shakur's amazing work in, in the 70s around holistic health care and community-empowered health and with the clinic I mentioned, the Lincoln Detox Clinic. And there's a wonderful documentary film that came out a couple of years ago called Dope is Death, directed by Mia Donovan. And you can read more about that at dopeisdeath.com. In addition, the actual full-length two-hour film has been put up on YouTube. Um, so just look it up on YouTube, Dope is Death. That's about a two-hour film. Uh, and Dr. Shakur is in there because in the, uh, in the 80s, the Federal Bureau of Prisons still allowed videographers to interview people in prison. That has long since been stopped. But that's why there's some wonderful footage of Dr. Shakur speaking about Lincoln Detox from federal prison in the late 80s. Um, so check that out. 
And um, again, please check out his website and make a donation to his medical expenses at mutuluchakor.org. So there's a lot of healing that's involved in uh, a lot of this work, it sounds like, the, in, in his work with acupuncture and his work in the community and, and, and you know, all of our work trying to, uh, you know, help to, you know, re relieve the lives of people who, who are locked up and especially those who have been locked up way too long and it's just unacceptable. So um, thanks so much for, for sharing um, about, about his case. And um, are any any kind of closing remarks um, about uh, kind of following up on any of this this work? Well, first, uh, let me correct an error I made. The the website is matuluchakor.com. I I said .org earlier, but it's .com. Matuluchakor.com. And I would only uh, close by saying, um, first of all, thank you, Adam, for having me on. This is so important to get out the word about the amazing accomplishments of this healer and liberationist, Matulu Shakur, and that we need to support the people who've supported us. And, and I'm using the us in the broader sense, which is anyone who aspires to peace and justice and a more humane society. These folks who are doing years in prison because of their commitment to those same values um, we owe it to them to support them in any way we can. And particularly once they emerge from prison, as Dr. Shakur is about to do any day now, um, we need to be there in their, uh, you know, he's age 71 uh, as he returns to so-called free life uh, and tries to struggle to survive as long as he possibly can. So we hope people will really rally around him. And thank you again. Yeah, Bob. Well, it sounds like you've been in, in, involved in many interesting things over many years, and um, also that that you do radio uh, as well too. So um, maybe, maybe queer, people can, queer, can check uh, out show on uh, on a community station in New York called WBAI.org, and our show is OutFM.org. Cool. Well, there's a lot of things here for people to check out, so there's a lot of follow up to do. And um, again, thanks for being a part of of all this great work and um, this this lifetime commitment that that Matulu's made to you know the, his community to to the world really at large. So uh, you've been listening to Prison Pipeline airing from the studios of KBO Portland, and listen to this in previous Prison Pipeline programs at kboo.fm/prisonpipeline. Like Prison Pipeline on Facebook. Special thanks to our guest and also Prison Pipeline Collective member Karen James for production. Free them all. Adam here from Prison Pipeline asking you to donate now to community-supported radio KBOO 90.7 FM. You can donate right now at kboo.fm slash give. Check out the KBOO mobile app and you can snail mail us at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, 97214. Please urge your friends and family members to keep us on the air. Support the movement for community radio. Support KBOO at kboo.fm slash give. Check out the KBOO mobile app and snail mail us at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue.
listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. You're listening to KBOO Portland. The following program is a rebroadcast. For all of KBOO's archives,